This is Off Baseline. I'm Nate Staley. On the show, a brief exercise in what if wonkery. If you follow me on Twitter or have engaged on some level with me in political discussion, you'll find that I'm a fairly ardent proponent of Medicare for All or a single-payer national health insurance program expanded to cover all Americans. In most proposed, and in my opinion, sensible applications of this particular policy concept, it includes an expansion from Medicare as it functions today to provide 100% payment uh, for all medically necessary care at the point of service. There are resources out there that spe- uh, specifically discuss this policy in more descriptive detail, as well as how it would work and its financials. I would, I would encourage you to check out a study that was done by an opposition group um, to Medicare for All. It was done by a libertarian, uh, the Mercatus Group. According to even that analysis, uh, U.S. projected healthcare costs would equal $59.4 trillion over the next, uh, I think it was decade, with our current system, and $57.6 trillion uh, under Medicare for All. Um, and then when you subtract those two numbers, that's about $2 trillion less in the overall system. Now, these numbers are in regards to the cost of the system as a whole, because the government's expenditures would be would certainly increase, and this libertarian study claims about a thirty-two trillion dollar increase in healthcare spending tied specifically to the government. So that's adding. So the Senate bill introduced by Bernie Sanders uh, states the the plan would be paid for by a six point two percent income based healthcare premium paid by employers. So that raises six hundred and thirty billion a year. A two per 2.2% income-based premium paid by households, um, and that's $210 billion a year. Um, it's, and then it adds, this year a family of four taking the standard deduction can have an income of up to $28,800 and not pay this tax under this plan. A family of four making $50,000 a year taking the standard deduction would only pay four hundred sixty-six this year. And then it um, outlines, so those are the two taxes that it would be a 6.2% income uh, based healthcare premium uh, paid by employers and 2.2% income based uh, paid by households. So those are, those are some uh, claims and some numbers about how um, it would be planned to pay for it. So now until very recently, this wasn't a policy that was seriously considered by a single politician outside of perhaps one independent Senator from Vermont. At that point, uh, I actually remember talking to quite a few people, both Democrat and Republican, that thought, well, it's inevitable and is probably a good idea. Now, there's a very real shift toward considering as a possibility in the modern political landscape, with many signing onto Medicare for All bills introduced in the Senate and in Congress that at this moment will go nowhere. Um, I suspect that many will retreat to their partisan camps on the issue, uh, the more it becomes a part of the discussion. However, this is an issue that enjoys an extraordinary amount of support uh, publicly, depending on, of course, how it's asked in the polls uh, by an overwhelming majority in this day and age of Americans, including one poll that puts Republican voter approval of Medicare for all, Republicans, uh, approving as high as 51%. Now, practically, the very moderate pro-private insurance industry uh, Affordable Care Act 
did not receive a single uh, Republican politician vote back in 2009. And I suspect it would shake out similarly for Medicare for all if that were something that had any likelihood of passing. And might actually take a bit of extra effort even convincing, uh, I would imagine, red state Democrats to sign on. But as is often the case in Congress, this is an issue that enjoys fairly strong public support regardless of professed support from politicians. So in the next episode, I want to talk about what this type of system would look like under, um, as far as interacting with mental health, uh, because I know at least the Sanders bill talks includes uh, mental health in the list of things that it covers. Um, it includes, well, let's see, hospital services, including inpatient and outpatient hospital care, including a 24-hour-a-day emergency services and inpatient uh, prescription drugs. Uh, it includes ambulatory patient services, primary and preventative services. It includes chronic disease management. It includes prescription drugs, uh, medical devices, biological products, including outpatient prescription drugs, medical devices, and biological products. So it kind of repeats itself there. Uh, Mental health and substance abuse treatment services, including inpatient care. Laboratory and diagnostic services. Comprehensive reproductive maternity and newborn care. Pediatrics, oral health, audiology and vision services, short-term rehabilitative and habilitative services and devices. So those are the, um, prov- the comprehensive benefits uh, that are provisioned for under um, previously proposed Medicare for All bills. So you've heard kind of the basics, the outline of what it would look like and sort of a little bit about what it costs. I mean, this is an issue that needs to be studied further. It needs to be talked about further. Um, it's gaining in political popularity. I just kind of want to share, um, kind of end this uh, shorter podcast on a, a bit of a personal note. So today is my son's second birthday, or at least the day this will be released will be my son's second birthday. Kind of crazy to think that it's been two years. When he was born, we, it was a right, it was pretty much pretty close to the due date. And it was a normal pregnancy, fairly healthy. So we had gone to the hospital. Uh, we thought attractions were getting to the point to where we uh, would try to admit. And then they'd send us back. And then we'd do that again. And they'd send us back. It happened about three times before we were actually able to um, be admitted and actually start. It was a fairly smooth process. And it happened really fast. And it was, you know, it was, it was a pretty amazing thing to witness. and. You know, as I see my son just entering the world, it was the most incre- incredible, breathtaking moment that I, I I just can't describe it, really. I mean, it was just life-changing for me. But I also uh, had a little bit of a reservation in my mind because I know it's a risky procedure, and I know that it's nothing's guaranteed. I noticed that, you know, with that in the back of my mind, I kind of noticed when he was first born that they the doctor started shuffling a lot i noticed his head was kind of a little on the purple side one of the first things they had to do was unwrap the umbilical cord around his neck it had, it had kind of gone wrapped around his neck a little bit and they were just talking about that you know he's not crying we're, we're trying to hear a cry and we're not really hearing one he was having a little bit of trouble sort of 
taking those first few breaths and really getting that entire process started. They pretty quickly rushed him off to the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU. I I talked to my wife and she said, you know, go follow him, whatever you do. And and so I followed them up on the elevator to the the intensive care unit and and they kind of uh, did a bunch of procedures and put him under this uh, oxygen helmet and... And I just kind of sat there and watched as they worked and got him somewhat to a, a point to where he was more stable. And, and thank God he stabilized. But it set a few things back. And so we had to, uh, we wound up having to be in the hospital for an extra, an extra week after the delivery. When that happened, you know, we're, we're just trying to, like it sets back sort of learning how to, to breastfeed and trying to trying to make certain milestones you know at first he had a bunch of wires plugged into him and tubes and gradually he was able to be a bit more independent so it it took a it took a while to 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 be able to take him home and we finally took him home and i had exhausted all of the time off i could have possibly used at my job and then some we finally got home i went back to work and uh we, you know we just started our exciting new life and our exciting new journey few weeks later, we received a medical bill. And on that medical bill, we had a balance due. Um, I forget the exact amount, but it was well in near the course of thirty to $35,000. Um, and it was due in less than a month. And <laughs> I, uh, I don't exactly have the financial capacity to pay off $30,000 bill um, with a month's wages. And uh, or from my savings. So I call Blue Cross and I talk to them and I say, uh, you know, I, I think maybe you don't have accurate insurance information. Something's not right here. There's no way that this bill is actually $30,000 plus, right? They investigated it, looked into it, and they had made the claim that we did not change uh, our plan accordingly um, to add the new person onto the plan within a certain time frame, and so we were on the hook for that money. We were somewhat distracted by the chaotic environment of him being born because we were not on the ball and we weren't really focused on what type of uh, policy should we be enrolled in right now. We just knew that we had insurance, but you know, it was going to bankrupt us. It was going to be, that was it. I mean, there was no way we were going to be able to pay that back in a lifetime. You know, tack that on. We've got student loans. We've got car payments. We've got just income to debt ratio was not shaping up pretty pretty good before that. Um, and ultimately, we lucked out. Talked with my employer about the situation, and they found a way to... Um, sort of address the problem to where, say, it was an administrative error that occurred that because I actually did state some intention a long time ago to enroll in the appropriate program, it just didn't, <laughs> it didn't happen. We were able to get retroactively the birth and the hospital stay um, covered uh, quite significantly more to where we could handle that. So 
So instead of being able to finally breathe a sigh of relief and enjoy the most life-changing miracle that is the birth of your of your child to be home as a family finally and to feel like okay that was a, that was a scare but we came out of it everything's fine now instead of being able to say that we were we were burdened with the possibility of uh financial ruin <laughs> for something that did not for to make an adjustment to an insurance plan which was not on our minds at the time it's a scare like this that i think uh, is totally unnecessary in our society there should be no possibility of this happening and in other countries it just doesn't happen no one is concerned about this in france or britain or canada you just have the baby and that's enough stress <laughs> So as I as we celebrate our our little guy being here for 2 years, you know, I think of that time and I think about what a miracle it is. And it also serves as a reminder to me that we need Medicare for all. Next week we'll I'll do part 2 and we'll look at therapy for all. What Medicare for all would Um, look like as it applies to the mental health system thanks so much for listening to off baseline if you haven't subscribed you can do that through apple Podcasts, google play stitcher tune in wherever you get your podcasts you can find me uh, on twitter at schmate staley or at off baseline and if you enjoy this show uh please take a couple of minutes leave a brief review on itunes or apple podcasts it's super helpful um, to grow the show and support the show and you can uh, thanks so much for listening it, it means a lot to me and uh, until next time be well